0: Agents are going to try and represent books that they can sell to the editors that they know. They have their personal tastes. They, they have editors that they know are looking for specific things. So an agent might completely decline to accept a, a work simply because they don't know where to sell it. I am the New York Times best-selling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers.
1: <laughs> two weeks in I, a row.
0: Two weeks. I did it, right? I'm here today with my good friend Steve Campbell on The Taylor Stevens Show. And um, today we are talking about agents, We're I talking about
1: agents. How okay. to find an agent. The whole process of finding an agent. I know there are a lot of listeners out there uh, who are probably unsure about whether or not they want to try and find an agent or maybe they do want to find one and they're not exactly sure how to go about it. So I, I'd like to take this in two parts. One is would be the value of having an agent and two, how to find an agent. So let's, let's do it that way. Let's start out with what's the value in having an agent in this day of being able to publish anything you want whenever you're ready.
0: Okay. So if you are self-publishing You probably don't need an agent because self-publishing contracts are um, take them or leave them because um, they're they're platform. They're contracts with the the provider, the third-party providers, and they're not negotiable. And there's really not a lot that an agent can do for you there that you can't
1: do for yourself.
0: Um, If you are want to be traditionally published. Well, let,
1: let me jump in here before, okay. you, before you go to traditionally published. Uh, there are a lot of high-profile independent authors who have agents, and it's, okay. it's not to deal with Amazon or iBooks or anything like that. It's to deal with international sales.
0: All right. That so, makes perfect sense.
1: So it, it, there is a reason, even if you are 100% sure that you want to be indie published, uh, there's still a reason to keep listening and understand how to find an agent. Although, if if you are one of those uh, people that are really killing it on the indie side, the, the agent may find you. But uh, there yeah. is a need for one, even if you are independently published, it, once you reach a certain stature.
0: Yeah, I would say that when it comes to self-publishing, that you'd probably have to have a certain number of sales before an agent would be willing to... Represent simply because it's a business and agents don't get paid, they don't get any money from you until they sell your work. And if they're looking to sell your work to foreign publishers, uh, then they're going to be splitting commissions with sub agents. And those foreign publishers are going to want to publish work that already has a, a sizable audience in English, as that's what's giving them the signal that there's going to be an audience for them in their language as well. So agents will represent works that they believe that they can sell, whether it's through sub-agent or film agent or what have you. And typically that's based either on that there's already a sizable chunk of sales that have been made uh, in the United States through self-publishing or that they believe they can sell it to a foreign or local uh, American publishers for print don't know if that makes sense.
1: Yes, and and that happens sometimes. Uh, the, the most obvious example of that is Hugh Howie, who's right. who has sold some of his digital work uh, in print only, uh, and that's that's pretty rare.
0: It yeah, but it does happen. So yeah, if you're if you're an in indie, if you want to go indie and. You're not going to need an agent for Amazon or for Barnes & Noble or, you know, all of that. But if you if you go big, you do probably want to consider getting an agent for foreign sales. So that's the, the indie side of it. For traditional publishing, you hear the argument uh, on – you see it on many forums and stuff. Oh, you don't need an agent. You should just get a lawyer to to look over your contracts for you. And again, there might be cases where that could actually be true. Uh, There are some publishers who have take-it-or-leave-it contracts. And if the contract is not negotiable, then a lawyer can explain it to you very well in a way that you know whether you want to take it or leave it. And there's no negotiating. You're going to go with that publisher or you're not. Where an agent does come in handy is agents are sort of in the trenches in New York. Publishing is very, very capricious. And I like to explain to authors, because I get these questions a lot, uh, to the authors coming to me that just because someone doesn't buy your manuscript doesn't mean that your manuscript is no good. In, in the editorial houses, every editor has their own line of work um, that, they, that they guide through the process and that they, print, they get into print for the publisher. They have a list that they're building, and it, it tends to veer to towards their particular tastes or what they feel is selling right now. So certain editors are going to focus on maybe women's fiction, other editors are going to focus on strong narrative, whatever, whatever in, you know, bubbly talk. I don't know all the fancy words. So the agents know which editors are looking for what. So if, if you actually have a book that's been agented and gets across the desk to the editors and nobody's buying it, again, it doesn't mean that the book is no good. It's just it's not fitting in with what they want in that particular moment of time. And they're just trying to make money. And sometimes they make good decisions and sometimes they make bad decisions. Every Practically every book that's gone on to be a bestseller from a first-time author has probably been turned down by other editors. So... The same goes true with agents. Agents are going to try and represent books that they can sell to the editors that they know. And agents also, they have their personal tastes. They they have editors that they know are looking for specific things. So an agent might completely decline to accept a, a work simply because they don't know where to sell it. Or it just doesn't resonate with them, but doesn't mean that it's not good. It just means that it's not for them. Which is really frustrating because there's this huge supply of people, uh, or I guess you could say a demand from people who need agents and very limited supply of agents who are willing to represent. So it creates this very, very frustrating environment for authors who are trying to find agents, which causes some authors to throw in the towel and just say, screw it, I'm going to do this myself. And for some of those authors, that works out really, really well. And for others, it doesn't. so agents are not the, the be-all, end-all of taste of whether a book is good or not, but, and neither are editors for that matter. But because they do see so many uh, manuscripts, they do have a really good feel for what's been done a million times before and what's fresh and where, what might have a larger market than others. They're not always right, but um, it's, it's sort of a, a Geiger counter, I guess you could say. So where an agent comes in handy for an author versus, say, a lawyer, unless that lawyer is um, in the trenches and is sitting down with those editors for lunch every day, he or she is not going to have their ear to the ground in the same way of—and I shouldn't say they're having lunch every day, like every week. or You know, the agents are schmoozing, and the editors are also schmoozing because the agents are the the editor's lifelines to acquisitions. So editors need new material and that they'll go to the agents and they'll say, hey, I'm looking for this type of material. If anything like that crosses your desk, please let me know. So when an agent sees it, they're like, ah, maybe this is going to make Susie Jones happy at such and such publishing house. So unless the lawyer has that same type of relationship with the editors, they don't actually know what is being shopped around and what editors are looking for. Agencies especially those that have been around for a while they've been fighting these battles for a long time and like my agent for example has uh, dare i say centuries of <laughs> century <laughs> of contracts to go back to and reference so they know what they've been able to get for other authors from which particular publisher under what circumstances. And they know where the bodies are buried. They know what hills can easily be conquered and which ones can't. They know what terminology is standard for publishing contracts. They know a lot of things that come from just being in the trenches on a daily basis, that unless the lawyer is also doing that same thing, is not going to be able to match in terms of selling your work if you already have an offer in hand from a publisher as a little bit of a different story in where maybe a lawyer can just help you negotiate that particular contract but again if they don't already have experience with the publishing industry they're not going to be able to fight for you as well as an agent could and Agents know what is realistic and what is not based on, again, the history and what they've done. They, they know the gossip going around what so-and-so at such-and-such an agency was able to get for author so-and-so under what conditions, et cetera, et cetera. So although agents are not lawyers, they do, all the good agencies do, to the best of my knowledge, retain legal counsel to go over really, st- if there are any sticky points in contracts that they haven't encountered before. So they do have legal advice specifically related to that industry. So whether or not an author is going to find a lawyer that is on par with what an agent like that is able to do, that to me is a crapshoot. Like I I would have a better shot as, as an outsider to the industry of finding a good agent than I would of finding a good literary lawyer. Because I don't even know where to start looking for a literary lawyer. They don't advertise in the same way that agents do. Whereas, um, agents, there's so much out there in terms of whether they're good or they're bad. There's a website called Predators or Editors, Predators and Editors, where you can um, see if agents have had uh, bad and publishers have had bad experiences for their authors. Um, That site I find to be most helpful in weeding out the bad versus. Finding the good because if an agent has been good, unless somebody's reporting that to that site, you're not going to hear a lot about them. Whereas if they're bad, then those things will be notated in there that they've scammed their authors or whatever. So there are ways that you can really search and hunt down the success that that an agent has had in a way that might be a little more difficult for um, a literary lawyer or a lawyer that. Um, isn't a literary agent, unless a lawyer is a literary agent, but then they would be advertised also as a literary agent. There's, there are websites that you can go to. I think they're subscription-based, but one of them is Publishers Marketplace, and that's where you can see and get a feel for what agents are buying. And I think just about every agent in the industry has a profile up there that says uh, what they represent, what who some of their previous authors were, Uh, what they're looking for, their submission guidelines and things like that. And there might be another site, it's been a long time since I've looked, that I um, had tracked down a long time ago called Agent Query or Query Search or something along those lines. Um, So agents are pretty easy to find online nowadays, and it's not too terribly difficult to do your due diligence. So the argument basically goes that, you know, an agent is going to take 15 to 20% of the book's income for the life of, of the book basically whereas a lawyer you pay them one fee and then you're done uh, if someone feels that they have a lawyer that can negotiate for them to the same level that an agent can then you know all the power to them I don't personally feel like I'm in a position where I could find someone like that. So I've been very, very grateful for the support that I've gotten from my agent. All
1: right. Let me jump in here with a with a couple of points. You know a lot of authors, and there are, in my mind, there's a disproportionate number of writers of mystery and thrillers who are attorneys themselves. And I, I have had the opportunity to interview a number of them on uh, The Author Biz, and 100% of them have agents. They and I, I have asked a few of them about it. Why why wouldn't you just negotiate your own contract? And they just laugh. Like I I could not possibly get the same deal that my agent got because the agencies, especially the bigger agencies, have already worked out deals with the publishers. They they yeah. they know they know where the flexibility is. They've already negotiated special arrangements on deal points one, three, seven, and nine, and you just can't get that coming in cold. So I I think there's a lot to be said that if you're going into traditionally publishing, uh, traditional publishing, there's a lot to be said for finding an agent. Then it's just a question of how to find the right agent.
0: I, yeah, I agree. And by the way, it's kind of like that, you know, the doctor who treats himself has yes. a pool for a patient or, mm-hmm. you know, it's the same concept in, in, uh, with the literary agents. Um, I know that whenever I get a new contract in, my agent not only does she go over it with a fine tooth comb, but she goes and looks for any other, for all the other contracts that they've had come in recently and pours over them to see if there's any little golden nuggets that they anyone in the agency has been able to extract as a concession from any other publisher and sees if she can finagle that into my contract as well. So having that history there is is a really big deal. So you know if you if if someone's up against an agent who is gone solo and never sold anything and just hung a shingle out and said, I'm a literary agent versus a lawyer, they'd probably be better off
1: with a lawyer. <laughs> <It> <laughs> might be, yes.
0: But um, so when I speak of agents in that term, I'm speaking of, you know, reputable agencies and um, agents have been around the block for a while. But um, what was the question again? I'm sorry. What were we talking well, about? Well, the, ne- the next question
1: is how to f- how to find the right agent.
0: Right. So um, I can only say what I did for myself and how I would advise people is that I, you know, not every agent represents every type of book. So first of all, don't waste your time or waste their time by try, seeking their representation for something that they're not even going to look at anyway. You know, you don't go ask a young adult agent if she'll look at your mystery or thriller. It's just like, come on, you know. Uh, the second thing I did is I really their agents are so easy to find. They're on Twitter, they're on Facebook and you, you listen to, to what they say and, and their advice that they're giving and you get a feel for who they are. Um, you, you read their blogs, you, and this is after you've already winnowed down. Like I would go on Publishers Marketplace now that I could afford a subscription. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a time when I couldn't. And at that point I would just, you know, I noticed that on places like Publishers Marketplace, they would you know, update regularly who had bought what. And so I would just go look at it several times a day, that front page, and see if there was anything that had an agent's name in it. And if they had a name, then I would go hunt them down and see who they were and see what they represented and see, you know, if any other authors were talking about them or whatever. But there's so many more tools available to authors now than there were for me back then. And there's also, I think there's a book that's published every year. You can find it in the library that has a listing of every agent. That's out there and what they represent. I don't know what it's called, but I know librarians would know what it's called. Um, so you you kind of you, you, you set forth to find agents who are representing works similar to what you have written, because that's gonna be your best bet in finding someone willing to represent you because you already know that they know that they can sell stuff like that.
1: I, I looked up while you were chatting, I looked up Publishers Marketplace. The cost is, I thought it was $20 a month. It's $25 a month. There's no long-term commitment. So if you're looking, you can just go subscribe for $25 a month, use it for 60 days and, and cancel it. So it costs you $50 for this incredible wealth of information.
0: Yes. And you can see sort of who's, who's selling, like who's got the editor's ears. You know, that's a, it's a really good way to see that too.
1: Now, I had the opportunity to interview your agent uh, for the author biz, and a couple of the things that she told me, and, and I'll, I'll bring out here, uh, that, that are important, I think, are that, that when you're querying, don't carpet bomb. You know, don't, oh God, don't send yes. out 50 or 100 at a time just because it's easy to do. Um, you know, select, as she called them, your A, B, and C group. Select your A group that might be your top 20. And then, you know, write personal emails to each of the people on that list and then wait. Yeah. And if you don't hear from them after a certain period of time, I don't remember what that period of time was, but it was fairly long. It's not like, don't give them three days. It, no, it's
0: like two months or something ridiculous yes. like that.
1: And then if, if you don't hear back or if you don't get a positive response from anyone, go to your B list and do the same thing again.
0: Another thing, too, is that every agent is gonna have specific querying guidelines. Some people will say, write to this email address, put these words in the subject line, mm-hmm. do not attach any documents, copy and paste this many chapters of your work. Like every one of them is going to be different in what they are requesting. Follow the instructions. Because you got you kind of got to put yourself in the mind of this other person. They're busy. They do need new authors, but they don't need headaches. And they're getting thousands of emails a month. And they made a simple request saying, don't attach anything. What do you think they're going to do to any email that shows up in their inbox with an attachment? (laughs) They're going to delete it. Or if they said, you know, put query letter and your name in the subject line, what do you think they're going to do to any email with a name they don't recognize that shows up in their inbox? They're going to delete it. So why I don't understand the concept of carpet bombing because if if these are busy people who are looking specifically for those who are able they're able to work with and you do everything possible to make them not want to work with you, Why are they going to work with you? No matter how good your material is, they'll probably never even read it. So following the instructions is really, really, really important.
1: Okay. So I think we have closed this episode out. I'll have a link to, or we'll have a link to, depending on where you go to get your show, we'll have a link to Publishers Marketplace in the show notes as well so you can get that that is it for this week we're going to take a little break for the next couple of weeks for the holidays so Merry Christmas Happy Hanukkah Happy Holidays however you refer to it Uh, I hope it's a happy one for you
0: yeah I'm gonna say and you know eat drink and be merry so looking forward to seeing you on the other side
1: all right thanks for listening everybody we'll see you after the first of the year